right, so I have a couple of friends who went to Las Vegas, and they brought this back with them for me. So if you go to Las Vegas and what needs to stay in Vegas needs to stay in Vegas, apparently you can come to Element. Are you there? Yes, yes, Element Vegas. Free vacations for everybody. And sleep on the floor as long as you clean it when you're done. Uh, welcome to Element. If you're new, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are sermon notes on all the tables uh, around the room here. Uh, if you have a smartphone, get an app called Uversion. Click on Live. It'll bring us up by GPS. You can get the verses. Uh, you can get uh, the questions and all the notes that go along with that. So I'm feeling a little self-conscious today because uh, somebody comes up in the back and they tell me all week how Mikey talks so much slower than I do and how much nicer it is. So I'm trying to talk slower, not doing a good job of it. But I'm, I'm coming walking to the back door, Mikey and I, and someone goes, I was so bummed you weren't speaking today. To Mike, I'm like going, I'm just out of here. <laughs> so it's going to be brutal today, people. Uh, I, got, I got three things for you. The first one is this. Uh, on July 3rd, we are doing baptisms and a barbecue. Usually in the middle of the summer, we try to have a barbecue of some sort for all of us to get together and have a lot of fun. This summer is no exception. So July 3rd, what we're asking you guys to do is you'll bring a side of some sort and then some cookies. To share, because cookies are always important. Yeah, I hadn't had cookies in like a week and a half, and, and our community group got together last Tuesday night. And I, seriously, before I go, I'm just going, God, please let somebody bring cookies. And somebody did, and it was glorious. It's, it was wonderful. So bring some cookies, and then like some side to share with everybody. We will take care of the main course. Usually, I think for July 3rd, it's like tri-tip or something. So we're going to have this nice barbecue and we'll do baptisms at the same time. So if you want to get baptized in the back, there's a sign-up sheet. Just put your name on it, and we will get a hold of you and then work through baptisms and all that. Uh, second thing is this, landscaping around here. Because the property is in foreclosure being sold and our land, the guy who owns it doesn't want to pay for anything anymore, none of the landscaping is getting done. So we got like five guys who come in and they start doing a few things, and he's like, Oh my goodness, there's a lot of work to do. So if you would like to help out, they're going to try and get one day with a bunch of people just to knock it out so that it's easy just to keep the maintenance uh, like that. There's a sign up in the back that says General Volunteer. Just put your name on that and write Landscaping next to your name, and we'll get a hold of you or have he'll get a hold of you for the day that we do it. Now, uh, one of my friends, this is Jason Casaro, plays bass right here. That's the guy who's playing this morning. And Jason has been around since we actually started Element. He and Justine, they've been dating forever. Forever. They're finally getting married next week. So, yay! So, Jason is the nicest guy. Jason literally, like, chop off his arm and give it to you if he thought it would help you out. That's the kind of guy that he is. Just the nicest guy in the world. So, he says... Uh, you know, I, I go, well, what do you want to do for, for getting married? He goes, I'd really like to go out in a boat and go tubing. And I'm like, you don't know what you're asking. <laughs> and he says, Cause, yeah, so, so we took him and a bunch of his friends out to, to the lake, and we went tubing on Friday. And since he's been around so long, and most of you know who him and Justine are, I thought I would show you the video just because it's fun. It has no spiritual purpose whatsoever, but I'll show you the video. Yes, he stopped bleeding by today, so he's okay. This is why I drive the boat. You get better footage. Why don't you guys uh, stand there reading God's Word <clears throat> after that? 
This is John chapter 20, verses 21 and 22, and it says this. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I ask that we as a people would understand what it means to live and walk in the fullness of your Spirit, that we in our lives will be those who show who you are because your Spirit is living in and through us. Amen. Have a seat. So we are doing a short series before we get to the Song of Solomon. I promise you will be there in just a couple weeks. This is a subject everybody seems to be confused about, but no one seems to really need to be. Uh, this is the issue of spirit, new life, Pentecost, what that looks like. Two weeks ago, we did an overview of spirit, kind of like a like an eagle's eye view of it. and then So now we're bringing it down more and more close to see what that looks like. And it's so odd, everybody's reaction when you say, Holy Spirit and what they do with it. So, today we're going to jump right in, turn to John chapter 14. Many passages in Scripture, they're very linear. They go A, B, C, D. When we went through the Gospel of John a couple years ago, it took us almost a year to get through it because we went linear. Uh, but there are other places in the Gospel of John when we took it linear that they're actually not so linear. They're very Jewish, where Jesus would say something. Then he'd say a new thing. Then he'd say something that everybody always knew. Then he'd say another new thing, and then revisit the last new thing that he said and kind of pull it all together. And doing that in order doesn't make so much sense to our westernized brains. So today as we do this, I'm going to read through it and then put it together for you. Read John chapter 14. And in John 14, where we talk about the Spirit a lot, Jesus actually talks about the Spirit here. Now, two weeks ago in, in Luke 4, I told you that Jesus is always full of the Spirit. So he's full of the Spirit. So how does he live his life and what does that look like? John 14, starting in verse 15. He says, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. This is the word for advocate, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him but it, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. See, it gets a little dense sometimes, a little confusing, because he's saying all these sayings that are going on top of each other. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So basic things you learn from this, I'll phrase it in the form of a question so that I'll help. Number one is, what does Jesus have? Verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give. Jesus has a generous relationship with the Father. I will ask, he will give. What does the Father give? Because Jesus is asking. The second thing is his relationship with the Father is marked by a relationship of deep trust with the Father. He knows when he asks the Father for something, the Father will actually give it. Verse 20, on that day you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. I am in the Father. John 10.30, Jesus says, I and my Father are one. So Jesus has intimacy, connection, and union with the Father. In verse 21, he says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. So Jesus has the love of the Father. He has a generous relationship with the Father. He has a relationship of deep trust and intimate connection and union and love. He has a life that is thoroughly saturated to his core with the love of God. And I told you that last week people have an inner mechanism that God has given us. We simply call this spirit. This seems sometimes to affect us more than our physical reality. We say things like, oh, I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And all of a sudden your whole day is off because you somehow woke up on the wrong side of the bed. You meet someone new. Sometimes you connect with them. Sometimes they rub you the wrong way and you just never like them because they rubbed you the wrong way. But Jesus has this inner life where his deep place is saturated with the love of God. He is full of the spirit. So 
everything for him is dictated by the experience of this relationship with God. In, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 45, this is why Jesus says things like, like this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Well, you can only love your enemies if you are filled with the Spirit, because there's more of Him in here than you. Jesus lived in a way that his early followers took him so seriously on these points that they thought it was important enough to write it down so you could hear it and understand it and live it. In Matthew 6, 26, Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet they can poop from you on your car from a mile high, and they can pull little worms out of the sidewalk, which is amazing. He says, And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you not much more valuable than they? There's a Peter verse for you. God thinks you're more important than an animal. In looking at Jesus being full of the Spirit, it shows he does not live a life where he feels like a victim or he is lacking anything. Deep in his soul, he is never suspicious that God has shorted him. He never thinks that, oh, God just doesn't want me to be fulfilled. Oh, God doesn't want me to have fun. Oh, God doesn't understand me. He never wonders if God loves someone else more. He is filled with the Spirit and does not feel like he will ever lack for anything. What he essentially says is, of course God takes care of me. What else would God do with me? And so he rounds it out in Matthew 6, 34 with, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. This is a life that is full of the Spirit of God. There is no anxiety about what might and might not happen in the future. Nothing betrays the fundamental core of who He is, which is centered around the love of God. Jesus says, I will love you, you will love me, then you will love each other. In Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The first thing in the fruit of the Spirit is love. The Spirit comes, the Spirit produces love. Out of that love comes joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. The Spirit of God creates love in the child of God. Love for others, love for God, love for God's truth. All from the Spirit. Now, sometimes because I crack jokes or I, or I dress the way I do, sometimes people think that I'm, I'm very charismatic in the sense of tongues, like that. And I have no problem with the gifts if they're used biblically at all. But I've had numerous conversations where people will ask me about element. They say, is your church spirit-filled? Is your church spirit-led? Is, your, is it a spirit-controlled church? And they're not asking if we believe in the Holy Spirit and what He does. What they're asking is, do we speak in tongues? I've had people ask me or say to me, you teach well, but you can do so much more if you had the Spirit. And I think, well, what's that? Like, thanks for giving me humility. I mean, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Now, how do you know I don't have it? Do I not have the Dakota ring? Is my, my underwear not the right color? You know, what, what does it look like? And they say, well, well, do you speak in tongues? And I say, well, no, God didn't give me that gift. I think he gave it to some other people, but, but not to me. And, and I don't believe that we have the right to tell God what gift he is supposed to give to people because that's his choice. And they say, well, if you had the Spirit, you'd speak in tongues. And I say, why? And they say, because that's the evidence of the Spirit living in you. And I said, I thought it was love. I think it's love. That's what the scriptures teach us. It's, it's love. And I know I have the Holy Spirit because I love you and I haven't punched you yet. <laughs> then they don't think that's very funny because I'm not being very funny. Then they never come back. But in, in, John chapter, in John chapter 8, Jesus tempted to prove who he says he is. In John 8, 14, he says this, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. Jesus is in a, in a situation where they're going, Show us who you are. Why do you have the, the authority to do the things that you do? And so Jesus, in this situation, doesn't get all freaked out. Where our standard human response would be, I'll show you, I'll prove myself, get some water, I'll make some wine. Peter, chop that guy's ears off, I'll stick him back on his head. I'll show you who I am. Every human fiber in our being say that, yet Jesus simply says, 
I know who I am. Open to John chapter 19. Keep your finger in John 14, but go to John 19. The Spirit so grounds Jesus that where we would be tempted to prove ourselves, He is grounded. He is not shaken. He doesn't feel the need to be anything other than who God has called Him to be. That is a life full of the Spirit of God. In John 19, verses 10 and 11, Jesus is on trial. He stands before Pilate, and this is the exchange. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. It's like, whoa, kung fu right there. It's awesome. He doesn't have anything to prove. He doesn't exert all sorts of energy trying to defend himself. He's not like, oh, that's right. I'm going to scorch you now, buddy. Don't write checks your body can't cash. I'm Jesus. I'm coming for you. He doesn't do that at all. He is calm and he says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. In situations where we freak out, a life full of the Spirit of God knows a relationship of deep trust, intimate connection, union, and love. That is life full of the Spirit of God. Jesus, in His deepest reality, there is the love of God that is absolute. It permeates His entire being. It affects every aspect of His life. What does He have? He has the love of God. Why? Because He is full of the Spirit. Second question is, what does Jesus want to do? What does He want to do? John 14, so go back there, Verses starting in verse 25 now. He just kind of keeps going on about things about the Spirit. John 14, 25. He says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, again, that's the word for advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, and again he points to this generous, loving relationship with the Father, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So in verse 25, he says, All this I have spoken while still with you. Jesus is getting very close to his crucifixion at this point. In John's narrative, he'll be leaving them soon. And if and when you are teaching someone how to do something, but you never let them do it, they will never actually learn to do it. If, you, if every time they try to do it, but get in a jam, and you swoop in and try and make sure, oh, I'll just take care of it for you, so you don't have to do it. Well, they're never going to really learn how to do it right. If you want to empower them, like Jesus does, to do what you do, at some point, your physical presence, in a sense, may even prevent them from that empowerment, unless you leave them to do it on their own. Now, Christ is always present with us. His, he has given us a spirit to empower us, but Jesus wants his followers to do what he did, to do what he does, be his presence in the world. And if he stayed in one sense, his presence would prevent that because we would go, oh, well, you need Jesus. He's over there. Go talk to him. And Jesus says, no, you are to be my presence in the world. You are to be that. So he says, I will send the Spirit. He will be everything you need to be me to the world. He says it like this. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, the word counselor is the word for advocate. It's the word paraclete. It comes from the Greek word parakletos. Para, it's two words. Para means to come alongside of. It's like paramedic or paralegal. You're not a full doctor. You're not a full lawyer. You're a paramedic or a paralegal. And kletos or kleo, it means to call. And so you call or come alongside of. It, it's like if you have to run a marathon. A marathon's what, 25, what? 26 miles. Wow, that's a long way. Okay, so it's like a marathon, and, and you're in the marathon, and you're tired, you're running, you got blisters on your feet, and you're ready to drop. The Spirit comes along, it's like somebody comes alongside and says, okay, we, we're going to go, we're going to make this. You and me are going to run alongside you, we're going to do it. You've only got like 25.2 miles to go. You know, we're, 
We're going to go. You're going to be okay. That's, that's the Spirit. I will run with you. We will do this together. Parakletos, I will ask the Father and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. And He will run and He will walk alongside you. That is a life with the Spirit. It has a courtroom dimension where the Spirit stands up and says, I know them. I will speak on their behalf. It has a maternal dimension where, where a mom comforts their child. It's that kind of thing. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and He will give you the Spirit. And the Spirit will encourage you and guide you and lead you and give you my words. So when I am not around, you will be able to live as I have lived. That's the point of the Spirit. And Jesus wants His followers to have the same inner life with God that He has. And seriously, what would that truly be like? If we could be a people who saw the Holy Spirit as it really is and not as one extreme hides Him in the closet and never talks about Him because we don't know what He's going to do and the other side treats Him like a circus act that's kind of crazy over here. If we really look and saw the Spirit living the inner life of God that Jesus wants us to have. Why? So that the deepest parts of our lives will be saturated with the love of God. Why? Because it will transform all we feel and do. Why? So that God is glorified. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So, what are the implications of this for us as the people of God? The first one is this. Uh, John 14, 21, he says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. In Jesus' own words, he says, I'm going to give you my spirit so you will never be alone. The spirit will be there, but the one who loves me will obey my commands. We have this almost innate sense in us that wants to rebel against anything that has the words commands. We don't like it. In the Western sense, we view this as a, as a list on the wall. And if we do them, we're in. If we don't do them, we're out. But in a Hebrew mindset, commands serve a totally different function. The commands equal life. It's that everything matters. What you think, what you feel, what you do in your life matters. In a Jewish mindset, commands are not God is angry with you and he will smite you, although it did happen and it could happen, but the commands in a Jewish mindset were a celebration of life. It was a celebration that everything mattered to God. God does not just make you and set you adrift in this world and go, okay, do whatever you're going to do. It's that everything you do matters to Him. And that is life and goodness and hope. Everything you think, everything you feel, everything you do matters to God. Everything. That is why we get commands. With your tongue, you can gossip about other people. With your actions, you can, you can hurt people and tear people down. With your heart, you can love yourself and nobody else. But God says, no, with your tongue, you can also rescue other people. With your actions, you can work for justice in the world. With your heart, you can love people in a way that will transform their life. This is why the Ten Commandments and Jesus both say, love your neighbor as yourself. This is a celebration that God has given his people the grace to change things for the better. He says, I will give you the Holy Spirit so you won't be orphans when you die. You will not be left alone. He will guide you, gift you, encourage you, and enable you to be and live as God intends you for to be and live. Why? So we glorify the Father. How do we do that? Living the will of the Son. How do we do that? By doing what He was doing. How do we do that? By loving Him. Well, how does that happen? That's a work of the Spirit of God. I love you. You love me. It's a work of the Spirit. What we think, what we feel, what we do matters. If someone has hurt you, or if you have hurt somebody else, and there's some bitterness there, do you think that that has no implications for how you live your life in the Spirit of God? Do you think that that doesn't cause dissonance between how you are living and how the Spirit calls you to live? Do you think that there's not a little friction there and God's like, this is not how you're supposed to live? 
when you look at Jesus and that, and he, and he had friction with people all the time, but he does not live a divided life. He lives the same on the outside as he does on the inside because he is filled with the Spirit of God on the inside. The Spirit comes along next to us and tells us that our hearts and tongues and our actions, they are all connected. He says the inner life of God always brings you back to who you were called to be. Second invocation is this, is that Jesus is leaving, so he's giving us his spirit. And it's going to get very difficult for his disciples. From church tradition, it is shown that most of these disciples were crucified and martyred themselves. Uh, Jesus says it's, it's going to get tough. It's not you're going to have a bad day. It's you're going to probably die if you continue to follow me. People today are like, oh, so if I love Jesus and obey him, you know, do I get success and money? No, you get crucified. That, that's, that's what you get. Well, that doesn't sound like victorious Christian living. Right. Jesus calls you. He blesses you to be a blessing to the world around you. Now, from history, this is how this works out. Paul is beheaded in Rome. Philip was whipped and imprisoned and crucified. Matthew was run through with a long-handled axe or sword. James, the author of the book, Jesus' half-brother, when he was 94, he was beaten and stoned and his brains were crushed out of his head. Matthias, the guy who replaces Judas as a 12th disciple, he is uh, stoned and then beheaded. Andrew, who is Peter's brother, uh, he is crucified. He hangs on a cross for two days. And being the type of guy that he was, didn't really want to waste any opportunity. And people would come by and then hurl insults as you, were, as you were hanging on a cross and throw things at you. So he decided to start preaching about the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Most bizarre altar call in the world, right? You can follow Jesus and have a life full of hope and purpose. And when... You can be crucified just like me. <laughs> History tells you some people actually believed in Christ at the foot of Andrew's cross when he was preaching like that. Uh, Mark was torn apart by a mob. Jude was crucified. Bartholomew was beaten, crucified, then beheaded. Luke uh, was uh, hanged. Uh, Thomas was run through with the spear. Peter was going to be crucified. says, I'm not worthy to die like Jesus, so they crucify him upside down. James, John's brother, he is brought before a Roman official and given a death sentence to be beheaded. They say, any last words? And he's like, sure, I got some. Preaches the gospel to the guy, looks the guy and, and drops the hammer. He says, you're a sinful man. You're a rough bait, an enemy of God. You will die in your sins. You're destined for hell. You have one opportunity. Believe in Jesus. What's your answer? And the guy comes down and he actually gets beheaded with James. It's an amazing thing that takes place. Now, we... We think, oh, what great stories. Oh, that's so wonderful. But we live the exact opposite lives of this. We, we stub our toe on the way to the car. We're like, why does God hate me? You drive like an idiot. You get a ticket. Oh, God must not love me. I mean, if, if you and I were in the situation where we're going to get beheaded, you got any last words, we'd be like, please don't kill me. <laughs> right? That's what we would do. And yet these people were full of the Spirit of God. And they're like, yeah, I got something to say. I'm going to tell you about Jesus because he has changed my life and I am full of the Spirit of God. That's the difference. There's a, I've talked to a lot of young guys and they always say, I want to go into ministry. And I'm always like, great, you call yourself a believer? You are in ministry. So you know what? Get your hands off your girlfriend, get a job, marry her and live your life preaching Jesus. That's what you should do. Imagine this job description. Jesus will rebuke you. He breaks you publicly. You're not allowed to think of yourself more highly than you ought. Then you get crucified. I mean, service and ministry is not a big, sexy thing. They have these things called church job fairs where people go to these things and they say, oh, you get a job in a church doing this and this. I have never at one of these seen a big sign that says poverty and martyrdom. Nobody puts up a sign like that. Ooh, wow, sign me up for that. I will take the, I'll take the house in the suburbs and the poverty. I don't know how that works, but I'll, I'll take those two together. 
Jesus says, you will have the Spirit of God, but the counsel of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The love and the Spirit in us cast out all fear. The mark of the Spirit as we continue to walk forward with God even when everything else falls apart around us. We walk in His strength, empowering us. Jesus walks resolutely into Jerusalem for His own crucifixion. You know how and why? Because He was full of the Spirit of God. The implications of the Spirit's love deep in our bones, it fills us and it casts out all fear. All over the world, you can find some crazy Christian stuff where you know people ask questions. Oh, do you have the, the Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit? Maybe you maybe you flip through channels late night on TV and you and you heard about the Spirit and bam, everybody falls over. Or you hear words like you know if you had enough of the Spirit, you'd be healthy, wealthy, and wise. You'll get a, get a mansion on the hill. Jesus wants you wealthy. You know, but the entire premise of this passage, the reason Jesus is giving the Spirit, is it because things are going to get easier or because now things are going to get really, really tough? because things are going to start to get really, really tough. This is not a passage about a free pass from suffering. The Spirit infilling you is less about circumstance and more about character. Jesus says the Spirit is not going to change your circumstance so you won't have difficulty, but so that in your circumstances your character will be formed. This is less about getting around the, our problems and more about getting through them. The Spirit is not going to take you around suffering. Jesus says, I'm going to leave you, but the life of God will be with you more than ever as the Spirit shapes you in circumstances that you will only grow if you happen to go right through them. There is no cheap shortcut, period. This is all about how Jesus wants to give his followers the life that he experienced himself, shaped by the Spirit in loving, giving, absolute trust and hope. Now, number four, the last one in this is the last implication, and that is truth. Uh, John 14, 17, Jesus says, The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. Uh, one of the gifts of the Spirit is that He leads us into truth. And there will be times in your life when everybody, it seems like, has lost their minds with the newest you know, Christian fad or the newest Christian book or the newest movement of this or that. And you sit back and something rubs you the wrong way and says, there's something wrong with this. A few years ago, this, this book came out, and everybody's reading a little, tiny little book about prayer, the prayer of Beelzebub or something like that. And everybody, everybody's reading this book. And, it's, it's, and someone asked me, because I, I read it, and said, what do you think about it? And I go, I think it's America's Christianity at its core. You do this and this and this, and then God's got to do this and this. It's like a little formula. It's like voodoo. And I said, I think it's terrible. And you would have thought that I said that Jesus wasn't God. I mean, you would have oh, you can't say anything about this book. I'm like, you asked me what I thought. I think that and everybody kind of ran after this fad or this book, and I'm just sitting there going, something rubs me a wrong way. This is what the Spirit will do for you sometimes. It will say, you know, you're okay. You can resist. You can avoid. Life is not supposed to be this way. Life is not about a formula. Life is about Jesus and His Spirit infilling us and calling us to live how He wants us to live. When someone says to you, everybody's doing it, that's a great red flag right there. Everybody's doing it, okay. God has given His children His Spirit. That's something real. Even when it takes me three to four weeks to explain it to you and, and what it looks like. A life filled with the Spirit of God is not enslaved to anything but the will of God. Period. Now, as a believer, you are promised that you can have the all-embracing inner life of God. So what is that supposed to look like in us? Number one, it is grounded confidence. 
God has made you, He has loved you, He has filled you, and you can walk forward into who He calls you to be, and you do not need to worry about anything. The second thing is that fear takes a backseat to love. Fear takes a backseat to love. You, you are to love and hope. And, and you look how Jesus loved. Love wasn't always like, oh, I like the daisies and oh, pet the puppy. And That wasn't always how he loved. Jesus sometimes rebuked people and called people to truth. That was love. Fear takes a backseat to love. You are to walk in truth. John 17 says God's word is truth. And the Spirit promises in all of these things to give you strength to walk in God's decrees. What, have, what is the mark of somebody not walking in the Spirit? They glorify themselves, they live in fear, and they believe themselves over the truth of God. Yet that is how we live our lives so often in our lives. But a life lived with the Spirit can be totally different. God offers you a Spirit. The question is, will you live in it? Will you trust Christ for His salvation and His gift? Because what the Spirit does when we are saved is it overwhelms us with God's love for us. So we in turn become so saturated that with the love of God that we become reshaped. And we unselfishly love others because that's the only way that we can live. It's the only way to live. And it becomes natural and normal and right because it simply just is. True peace, true joy, true love will never come from any other source than Jesus giving His Spirit to infill you. Now, I know last week Mikey said I got my little ritual I do at the end. Uh, I'll mix it up a little bit for you too. Uh, There's going to be some deacons and elders in the back. And if you guys have never understood the Spirit living in and through you and the strength that He provides to live the life that He calls you to live, I want to invite you to go and pray with them. They would love to introduce you to who Jesus Christ is. It is of utmost importance if you want to have hope and life and purpose. You need to know and live and walk with Christ. He promises to give you a spirit so as you have strength to live and walk the life He calls you to. Uh, we are going to take communion. We worship God through communion where you break that cracker that reminds us of Christ's body that was broken for us. You dip it in the wine of the grape juice reminding us of His blood that was shed for you and I so that we can be a people who are redeemed and renewed. And He infills us with His Spirit so we can live the life that He calls us to live. The band's going to come up. They will do a couple songs. And as they do, I also invite you guys to sing some songs, take a few moments to see where you have been living in the Spirit and where you haven't. You can ask God, fill me so I understand this and live the life that you call me to live. Uh, there are offering boxes on the sidewall in the back. We give because God gave so much to us, giving us part of our worship. That's why we give you the opportunity every single week. Because the spirit living in us also creates generosity and giving. And there's also, <laughs> it's kind of funny, they had, I don't know if they're still back there, but they had some cookies this morning back there <laughs> and for service. And I was like, see, and the spirit of God has shown up in the back because there's cookies back there too. <laughs> But the, the reason that we put food back there, again, is it is not to feed you guys. It is to give you guys opportunity to connect and get to know each other so we can begin to live the life of inter- interconnected community that the Spirit intends for us to have. I mean, one of the marks of the Spirit filling us is that we actually have relationships with other people. I know, it's amazing. And He intends for us to live a life together. I encourage you, if you have never understood what it means to truly live and walk in the Spirit, take some time. Pray to God. The Spirit will lead you into all truth. Next week, we'll kind of round this out a little bit and what this looks like in the church and for us as a people. And I think it will be really good for you. So hopefully I didn't just scare you off and you do come back and we talk about the Spirit. Uh, God is good. And He is more generous with His Spirit than you can ever imagine. He longs to fill you so you can live this life. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I do ask that we as your people would understand what it means to be filled with your spirit. That we would have that strength 
and that hope that only comes from you. And that as we start to focus on ourselves, your spirit would move and speak to us so that we get our eyes off of ourselves and place them upon you. Father, I know that there are people in this room this morning who are having a very hard time. And I ask for them that they would hear and listen to your spirit as it comes alongside them and walks with them and says, we can make it. We're going to be okay. We're going to walk this together and I will carry you when you can't walk. Father, for uh, the other people in this room who thinks everything is going great, I ask that they would remember that these are gifts of yours from your spirit that you have given us. And that we would all together as a body, as a family, begin to walk the life that you have empowered us to walk. And that we would understand that you are not just the God of us, but you are the God of our city and our nation and our world. And you have called your people and empowered us to live in such a way that the entire world can know who you are by how your people live their lives. So have us truly walk in your strength and your hope so that we bring you great glory. Amen.